Mr. Robot, Season 1, Episode 2, Ones and Zeros is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps as we proceed forward on Robot Road, our mission to recap all the episodes of Mr. Robot Season 1 in advance of Mr. Robot Season 2, premiering on July 13, talking about a different episode every week. This is Week 2, technically Week 3, to cap preview week as Week Number 1 of this podcast. I am joined by the man who has committed to the sacred pact that we formed antonio mazzaro antonio how you doing i better commit i you i feel a little threatened at this point if i ever bailed out what just would happen because, like i'm like aggressively rubbing your back as we are sitting on the railing uh yes. looking out over the beach it's like and a pretty steep fall too you know the ins and outs of coney island i know <laughs> no i don't you know I where know, to get the pizza i know where to get the pizza said know, something to me about a clam roll i know to t- i know to take the f there Yes, <laughs> but do you know how to take the get the f out? No, I don't know how to get the f out. I'm All still right. I'm still stuck in Brooklyn. It's okay, just impossible to get out of here. Maybe one day. Antonio, how you doing? I'm okay, Josh. How are you? I'm well. I'm doing well. Well, I'm doing well. Are you wellick? I'm doing rather wellick. I hope I'm not doing wellick. That guy is creepy. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. He has a lot of lawyers too, Josh. And I can, as a lawyer, I can tell you, never a good sign when somebody brings like twelve lawyers to a meeting. What does that usually mean? Like, just like it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening. The S is going down. Yes, yeah. it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. The F is hitting the society. Yeah, th- I mean that is absolutely what you have to be worried about when you see twelve lawyers in a room, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that's how we start this episode. We pick up immediately where we left off in the first episode, which is really exciting. Yes, it's great, and uh, I mean if you if you want to begin, we have very similar themes. The plot keywords for this episode on IMDb: hacking, conspiracy, dog, morphine, <laughs> hacker. <laughs> I, I would we, say that those are all like the buzzwords that you could use surrounding Mr. Robot anyway, yeah. except maybe like dog is a little curious. Yeah, well, we, we certainly hit all those notes in this episode. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of flipper going on here. Yeah. Flipper, got to take your deuce over there, bro. Yeah, come on. You, I, I got, you got this. You got this, Flipper. You got this, Flipper. Man, I wish that someone would say that to me every once in a while. You got this, yeah, Wiggler. You got this, Wiggler. Uh, but yeah, we begin here uh, at E Corp with Tyrell Well. He is making this great overture to Elliot to join the fold. Come on to Team E Corp. He would not say Evil Corp, of course. No, I, I, maybe he would, but probably not. But uh, yeah, you said overture. Good musical term, Josh. Yes, yeah, a great uh, musical term as well. Some really compelling music in this scene. Yeah, it swells. It's Beethoven's Seventh Symphony, the second movement, the probably most popular movement of the Seventh Speaking Symphony. Speaking of dogs, of, right? Yeah, speaking of dogs, it's definitely there. Man, I can't, wait we, second, yes. I can't wait until we get to the episode of Mr. Robot where Charles Grodin comes in and really just gets so infuriated by Beethoven's actions. Yes, the Charles Grobot. <laughs> Charles Grobot. <laughs> It'll be fantastic. Oh, uh, man. Every once in a while, I Google Charles Grodin to realize that he's so much older than uh, I would imagine him to be. He's yes. you know, in his 70s, and he's really looking at these days. A sad day is going to happen soon, Josh, where he starts trending on Twitter, and it's not because he got a new show. No, please say no. Please I, say no. This, is, this has gotten dark. I love, well, gotten dark. This is a, kind of not, not the brightest television show, Josh. Can we talk about, top, you know, this is not a spoiler. If, you're first, if this is the first time you're listening to our Mr. Robot podcast, by the way, uh, Josh kicked it off from the top by saying, we're doing an episode-by-episode episode rewatch of Mr. Robot, which is true, in preparation for our weekly coverage, which will begin in Season 2 uh, in the middle of July. 
But we're separating Mr. Robot, original discussion, if you're watching the episodes from season one for the first time, from the spoiler discussion. Uh, and the second half of the show will be, will be kicked off with a, a musical cue, and you'll know we're getting into the spoiler section. This is not a spoiler, Josh. Top headline from this episode, what the heck happens to Elliot at the end, speaking of dark? I know, it's really dark. I mean, this is a real, and like even like the stuff that's going on with Fernando Vera and Shayla in the middle of the episode, and just some of the language choices that are used along the way in yes. this episode with Darlene really just like dropping a hard CS on yes, there. Yes, the old you know, C.S. Lewis. <laughs> the old C.S. Lewis really going down the robot hole yes. at that point. Uh, yeah, this is not, you know, this is the thing. Like, again, I'm not super well versed in USA Network's other programming but this feels uniquely dark uh for for their standards i would imagine not uniquely dark for television but it's definitely it definitely goes there mature content for sure certainly and not uniquely dark for usa as a concept (laughs) (laughs) as as a country yes right but yeah very dark episode you're right not just the end uh, with what happens between Mr. Robot and Elliot, but with the stuff with Vera and Elliot and Shayla in the middle uh, and, and uh, throughout. It's, uh, yeah, not the brightest show for sure. Not the brightest show for sure. All right, so let's, uh, let's kick into it here. Let's start talking about the episode. We do have that first scene where, you know, I, I remember like when I was leaving the premiere and I hadn't seen anything yet. And I was wondering what the hell is going on with Tyrell Wellick being here. Is he like some sort of mastermind, super genius? Has he known about Elliot the whole time? Everything like those were the types of thoughts that were going through my head, especially when Elliot ends the first episode by saying, tell me you're seeing this too. Right. Uh, and, I, and I was really, really intrigued by that. And I don't think that it was really on the radar for me that the first thing that was going to happen in episode two was Tyrell is going to offer Elliot a job. And then when he offers Elliot the job, I guess I didn't know what to expect from Elliot in terms of response. But for there to be like a 10-second you know, period of silence, followed by Elliot sheepishly saying, can I, can I think about it? I just don't think that I thought any of that was what we were getting into. No, and, and it really is it's kind of a short scene. I mean, it's only a couple of minutes. It, it certainly seemed like, as we left the scene, as you're talking about, definitely Wellick observed Elliot switching the files and putting the Colby file with uh, the DAT file with Colby's IP address in it on the table for the FBI. We saw Wellick observe that. We know they had the interaction where Wellick kind of almost read Elliot's thoughts and said, I know what you're thinking, an executive who runs Linux, but I can't, you know, old habits die hard, that sort of thing. So we'd already seen Wellick in episode one be this kind of intriguing guy who maybe was, as you're saying, on to Elliot a little bit more. And so to have this scene just be this kind of job offer that was gone and dispensed with relatively quickly at the beginning of the episode was not at all what I was expecting either. No, yeah. And so this is really, you know, memory serves, this is the only Wellick scene we have in the episode. That is correct. Uh, yeah. we, we do have the follow-up from this scene, and, and it's kind of connected with the musical cue, which is, again, Beethoven's Seventh Symphony, the second movement. Uh, it, is, it is playing on the radio as Wellick's goons or the guys in the black coats who picked up Elliot at the end of episode one are driving him away. We have that weird interaction a- a- after the job offer between Elliot and those goons where the guy says, call me Mr. X. Yeah. Yeah, and then he says, call me Mr. Sutherland for now. Josh, is this Kiefer Sutherland? What's oh, going man. on here? Is Jack Bauer going to show up on Mr. Robot? I mean, we've already made the 24 comparison. That's what I'm wondering. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Rami Malek was on 24 in season eight. Never forget. 
Yeah, it, it's just it, the whole thing is very odd because Wellick is also using using language in that scene. He says technically what we're doing might be considered illegal, which yeah. last time I checked as a lawyer, Josh, illegal means against the law. That's correct. And it's very You're odd. The expert here, but I have heard that definition to say that a non compete clause, the violating one, would be against the law is questionable because it's not like if they if they hire somebody off a non-compete they're going to be prosecuted criminally for breaking the laws of the state uh, most likely what will happen is a civil suit where all safe could sue evil corp uh, and that's the sort of thing that could happen when you violate a non-compete clause i've worked in cases with non-compete clauses they're they're civil suits they're not against the law by any stretch so even the, cho- the language choice by Wellick is odd because nothing that is happening seems to be, quote-unquote, against the law or illegal. Uh, it maybe is against the spirit of a contract, but not the law. So Could that just so, be the writing not fully grasping you know, the legality of such a thing? Entirely possible. On this show, though, it's always hard to tell where the, where the, the lines are drawn because as we established in the non-spoiler section of our first podcast, we have an unreliable narrator, Elliot, who is disassociating from a lot of what's happening and who may be delusional, calls himself schizo, is supposedly supposed to be on meds, which helps stop issues that he, we know he's not taking. In fact, he's taking morphine. Right. Uh, so we know we have a character who is perhaps not reliable, who every time, for example, we hear the word E-Corp, we hear it on screen as Evil Corp. Even when we see it, we see it as Evil Corp. And that's because we're viewing a lot of this through Elliot's eyes. So I don't know how much of this interaction that we're viewing, we should be viewing as a third-party interested outside observer and taking the interpretation of a word like illegal as just, you know, maybe the way it was written, and how much we're saying that's how it feels the, the interaction is going down to Elliot. That's what Elliot's hearing when he sees a boardroom full of, like, faceless lawyers uh, in a dimly lit kind of hazy scenario. He feels like he's being you know, prosecuted. Uh, and so maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. But the, the scene after this with Mr. X doesn't make it any better. Because he's basically saying, you know, don't hesitate to reach me when you're ready. We're always close by. He gives him Wellick's number to use when he, you know, maybe wants to use it later. So all of this is very, very odd because it, it's striking me as not your, your most traditional job offer. Yeah, definitely not. But I mean, we also see later in the episode that there are men in suits who are pursuing Elliot when he and Darlene are on their way to F Society. Um, and, they're, you know, they're like very upset that he hops on the train and everything like that. So you do get the sense that they are like really just straight up monitoring this guy. Yeah, and and who knows exactly why or, or what's going on there. So this show does a fantastic job of really of really removing your sense of place and really removing your sense of reality in yeah. a lot of respects. And we're going to get to other episodes in our rewatch, which are very much focused on that. But this this episode, even from the jump, just the way it's shot, the music that comes on, that sting, that swell, this scene with Mr. X, it's all very uh, off-putting and very uncomfortable. And they do a great job of making you feel like Elliot is feeling in that moment, I think. Yeah. Mr. X. All right, so let's, <laughs> let's move on from Mr. X. Where should we go next? I guess we just go uh, to the, the, whole, the whole Elliot and... Shayla of it all, the Vera of it all. This is, uh, this is, we see Vera come into the scene the first time, kind of manhandling Shayla when Elliot walks up after having been dropped off by Wellick's goons. 
and it's not the most comfortable interaction. He seems like a, not the nicest guy in the world. No, he doesn't. And obviously, we are, we are going to get to know him much better in this episode later on. Like, he's going to have a really kind of amazing, scary, terrifying, harrowing scene. But just from the first glimpse of him, you know, you don't even need to really hear him mouthing off and really kind of speaking his sort of, like, psychopathic poetry that he likes to recite. Um, he is just, you know, manhandling. He's being very aggressive with Shayla. It's not a great look. Yeah, it's not a great look, and it it really it's uncomfortable because we know uh, if if we're kind of keeping track at this point, we know that Shayla only gets Suboxone because Elliot wants it, right? Which and is we know the, which is the, the the withdrawal medication, the withdrawal medication that he takes because he's so super smart. And if I take this withdrawal medication while I'm doing morphine, I'm never going to get addicted to morphine, right? Right. That's exactly how it works, Josh. Yeah. And so, yep, no questions asked. That's exactly how it works. Uh-huh. So that's kids, why don't the, don't try this at home, kids. Yeah, that's why the world has zero problems with opiates, Josh. <laughs> it's not in the news at all. Prince didn't die of an opiate overdose. Not no great. problem. Not yeah. great. Not great. Yeah. So all everybody needs to do is just take Suboxone or buprenorphine or whatever you want to take. Just just get off. You know, just keep yourself thirty milligrams a day, eight milligrams of Suboxone. You'll be fine. Not good. Uh, no, d- I'm not suggesting that in any way, but. Elliot's regiment in that respect is, comes to him via Shayla, his right. neighbor, drug dealer, uh, would-be lover, whatever's going on there. They've done it. It's they happened. Have, they have. They may, don't ever make decisions while you're on morphine, Josh. But, but yeah, this is what's happened. And, but Shayla seems so sweet and so nice, and she's only involved with Vera because of Elliot, because he's the guy who can get this very specific medication that Elliot wants on the street. So this is, you know, when you walk back and see this kind of bad guy who Shayla refers to as her boss, this is the guy who, who is only there because of Elliot. Right. I mean, Elliot makes it clear that this is the guy in the city who can get him this thing. Right. And, and we, it's important because the next scene, Elliot basically says to us, the audience, did you think I forgot about you? I need you now more than ever. Right. Uh, and he's doing multiple lines of morphine at that point. Uh, and she basically, right, that's right after he's, Shayla has made him promise not to overuse morphine until she can get the Suboxone. And he's doing multiple lines of morphine. He's hacking Wellick. We find out that, you know, Wellick is really easy to hack, which doesn't make a ton of sense. And there's well, nothing- for a guy who is using uh, Linux. <laughs> I think for an executive. For an be- executive at if, CTO. Yes, a CTO. Uh, you Isn't would that expect- where Jack Bauer works? <laughs> yes, Jack Bauer is not the executive in charge of CTO, but yes. But he does work. Yes. He's sometimes on the outs with CTO. Yeah, that's the CT outs. The right. CT outs, right, yes. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, this is uh, it, it strikes Elliot as very odd. And Elliot is not, I mean, as if episode one did not establish this clearly enough, Elliot's not in a good place. And we see this kind of established really quickly in this episode with the first time we're seeing what is his burn ritual ultimately. Yeah, so he like he takes the microchips, he like stuffs them in the microwave, he explodes them, he's like undoing his computer. He's really, you know, putting a lot of physical labor into this whole process. Yeah, drills, microwaves, all burning, fire, all of it. The scene that it's shot here is very frantic. Uh, it, it's interesting. The editing is great. I don't think that right. we really talked about the, uh, the editing here on Mr. Robot. Lots of talk about editing on other podcasts in this community, uh, but not in terms of Mr. Robot, where I think like, it really that's another thing that lends to sort of the claustrophobia and the paranoia of this show. It's the way that this was shot so quickly, just like cut together so, 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 so fast that so many physical actions are 
happening and presented in such short order when you know that all of that takes a long time to do. But these drastic actions that take a while to do are condensed into like what? Like a 10 second sequence? Yes. And it's it's fire. It's electricity. Yeah. It's, it's drills. It's sick. all of these things. Yeah. 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 It's really, really good. And this is all <laughs> this is all because why? Because Wellick lived a normal life. Because right. when Elliot hacked his emails, when Elliot looked at his Facebook, his likes included Lincolnberry Jam and Swedish hard house music. Uh, <laughs> too normal. He has such a normal life. You know, uh, I've gotta be honest, like I would look at Tyrell Wellick and be like, Yeah, he probably goes to IKEA and he's probably really into that stuff. Yeah, so there you go. This is him. Uh, this is and the fact that he's normal rattles Elliot so much that he has to basically drill, burn, and electrify his apartment. This and is the set man, on fire. What, yeah. did, what did he say in the first episode? You know, like he looks for the flaws. Like that's why he has these sort of super genius moments because he's not like he looks for the bad and stuff. Yeah, and right when he's done with all of this, he interestingly goes and picks up a Polaroid picture that I think we can glean from what we saw the first episode is of Elliot and his mother. In the first episode, we didn't talk about this a ton on our podcast, but we got a very short sequence when Elliot was in his doldrums of depression crying, where he says, what do normal people do when they get this sad? They talk to their friends or family, and he has a a kind of a weird memory of his mom grabbing a Game Boy out of his hand, slamming his arm on the table, and being violent to him. Here we see a picture of he and his mother at the beach, a Polaroid, that he picked up when he's gone through his wipe ritual, and it's very odd. Uh, We see his dog kind of unfortunately use the restroom piss on his pillow uh-huh. uh, elliot takes that picture out with him when he's throwing out the sheets so this picture does seem to have some meaning to elliot yeah for sure by the way not for nothing can't really blame flipper flipper all, always seems like flipper had some bathroom issues from yeah. his previous owner as well who was obviously shy bladder shy bladder who is you know his owner was obviously a tool you know he yeah. was obviously a jerk uh, but I feel like Elliot like has to, you know, exercise a little bit of patience. And I really like the way that he's talking to Flipper here. He's like, yo, my man, got to do it out over there. You got this. Yeah. Uh, Elliot is a nice, a nicer owner for sure than the previous owner, but Elliot's not the most attentive owner. And who knows when Elliot is traipsing around the country and going from place to place and yeah, flying he's away going to jet. Dallas on, you know, yeah. Yeah, who knows who's t- who takes care of Flipper, uh, and that's very difficult. Elliot also says, I'm taking more morphine than I should, but, quote, it's been an off week. It's been an off week. All right, so sounds good, Elliot. That- Thumbs yeah, that, roll, that rolls downhill to Flipper, obviously. Yeah. And another thing is, like, you know, with all, like, the physical activity that's going on in that apartment with things exploding in the microwave and drills and all of the loud noise and probably the smell of the smoke from the microwave, if I'm Flipper and I don't speak the language, I'm probably pissing on your pillow as well. Yeah, plus dogs suck, Josh. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Antonio. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow, I'm making never... his position on dogs quite clear quite I would early never... on in the robot road. Yeah, I would never reveal publicly the things I say to you in private, Josh. Come right. on. Yeah, no <laughs> one knows that this is a podcast that is actually being published. Yes, big that big cat is uh, funding the, our podcast, the, yeah. the, the, the cat empire. Evil is... cat. 
evil cat is funding this, but yeah. yes, no, but yeah, animals are animals. No matter if it's a cat, dog, bird, whatever, if you don't take, if you don't take care of them, then they don't, then this is what they do. And a lot of people say animals are the first step to children. If you can handle that responsibility, then you're ready to take the next step. Very clear. Elliot cannot even handle the responsibility of a dog that he stole. It's shocking to me, Josh, that that fish is even still alive. <laughs> yeah. QWERTY is yeah. still hanging in there. Shocking that QWERTY yeah. is still alive. Yeah, yeah. Like I've never had as much luck with fish as uh, Elliot Alderson is and i feel like i've got it more put together yeah definitely you have it more put together i mean elliot does he has a job i mean he's holding down a job granted he's taking morphine to work with him which is never a good look yeah but he is holding down a job he's not only holding down a job gideon wants to offer him a raise josh that's pretty good that's really great yeah you know we've talked a lot about already in that first podcast about how gideon and elliot have a really great relationship right now where gideon is really saying to elliot like oh my god you've been you've been really helpful i can't believe you there's this paternal quality between yeah. the two of them uh and he's feeling really really good about what elliot's just done so of course he's gonna offer him some money i mean it's not you know a multi-million dollar you know deal within the next five years that Tyrell Wellick is offering. Uh, but, you know, it's it's still pretty good. This is good. Yeah, he says you saved the company. But, you know, the other flip side of this is Gideon, as a parent, if you will, is just a little bit suspicious. He feels a little violated. Why didn't you tell me before that meeting that you found something? Why, why didn't this happen? And this is Gideon. I love you, Elliot. You saved the company. You did great things. I want to give you more money. But I'm a little rattled here as a pair. I would have expected you to let me know before the meeting. You can tell me these things. Right. Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing happens here is we see the F Society hacker yes. video that plays and they are listing out some demands. They're threatening data dumps if Terry Colby is not released. Really love selling the fiction that Terry Colby is the king of F Society. Yes. Release our leader, Terry. He's the leader of F Society. Yeah, he yeah. is our immunity challenge beast leader terry colby <laughs> yes. he plays in full tilt he yeah. never calls the ambulance. Yeah. this is great yeah uh but they're saying that and like they're talking about how like we are you know they're talking about like we are violent we do not pull our punches um it's really you know kind of very threatening language that's very. coming in this video very. Uh, we see shots of Julian Assange, Occupy Wall Street, and we saw, they're, they're talking about pulling the tentacles. We see octopi. We see them cutting meat, cutting the nerves uh, with the butcher. All of these things are going on. This is a video Elliot didn't know existed. This is something Gideon sprung on him. Yeah. And when Elliot watches it, it's a very, very John Locke reaction from Elliot here. Yeah, we're going to need to see that again. Yeah, play it again. Play That's it again. exactly what happens. Play it again, Gideon. Play it again, Sam. Play it again, uh, Sam. Sammy Vol- Malik, my twin oh. brother. <laughs> of all the gin joints and of all the Gideon gin joints. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's a really interesting scene. And I love just the visual of, you know, this sort of uh, the, the Monopoly man, you know, yes. being in there. You know, like the Guy Fox thing is really well worn from V for Vendetta and everything like that. But this is a really cool. Like, it's always it's always a challenge to me, I feel like, whenever a movie or a show or anything is trying to put forth like their masked vigilante who's especially like targeting you know top profile you know wider concepts you know something like v for vendetta but even something smaller like how do you come up with something iconic like a jason Voorhees or a you know a ghost face from the scream movies and i feel like the monopoly man as a symbol really hadn't been used before in this way it's a really smart and especially given what they're going after which is like ending the biggest corporation possible it's really ironic cool iconic look 
Yeah, it works pretty well. Uh, it really does. It's a good look. It's good. It's still used in the marketing for the show. Obviously, if you see kind of any viral stuff out there, you see any images online. Uh, this this kind of look, the Monopoly guy mask, is a very iconic look from this show. So it works really well. Also, I think very clear from this scene that it is Christian Slater's voice. So that it is Mr. Robot wearing that mask. Uh, I, I I think that it it just it, the very beginning of the video. Yeah. I think you can tell that it's Christian Slater voice kind of speaking these things so i think elliot probably knows that and he's like oh he hadn't he hadn't heard from them right he didn't know what was going on he did that thing it was great and then after he did the thing and terry colby went down as he's celebrating it he gets taken in by wellick so we're kind of following a linear line here where he still hasn't spoken to right. F Society and Mr. Robot. They didn't tell him this video would come out, and that's why he's like, play it again. Yeah, it's almost like him being like, oh yeah, I forgot that I like did this on behalf of this crazy hacker organization. Maybe I want to check in with them. Yeah, this is no, this is this is yeah, not great. Maybe not I want to check in with them or like completely bail on this situation. Well, and he's definitely very rattled by it because yeah. as we see him kind of outside, we see Darlene – or not Darlene. We see Angela and her boyfriend, Ollie, on right. the street. And we've got uh, Elliot kind of walking up and he sees the scary guys and kind of putting the hood up and running away. Yeah. Uh, this is all happening very – you know, What does he say to? He's like, I got to go. They're complaining about my dog. Uh, yes. Like, goodbye. It's like, yeah. how do you know that? Like you, you weren't on the phone right now. They you're just they like – They just told me. <laughs> you're just – The blue. voices. <laughs> very specific. It's basically what he said though yeah. it's like oh my god all right uh, well and it's just a, it's funny to see such a stark contrast because yeah. ollie couldn't be more of a douche he's talking about groupons or whatever he's talking about hey groupons have their value sir i agree but he's doing the very normal kind of couple's lifestyle trying to invite elliot to um, hey the very steakhouse. normal couple's kind of lifestyle has its value sir I agree. I agree. I'm saying it couldn't be more foreign from what Elliot is experiencing. Sure, yeah. It's a completely different world. Yeah. And let me ask you, what you're, you're, you're defending Ollie's lifestyle. I'm not how really. About, <laughs> how about his 48 followers on Twitter, Josh? <laughs> I love the way he says this when Turtle from Entourage comes up to him. And it's like, buy my CD, bro. Buy my CD. And Ollie's like, all right. Well, only if you just like stop harassing us on the streets. You've been here for weeks. Could you cut it out? And if I like it. I'm going to tweet it out to my 48 followers on Twitter. Yeah, but it's, it's growing, Josh. There's some real tastemakers in there. Real tastemakers in there, yeah. Oh, I, my gosh. I enjoyed that quite a bit. I mean, you really can't get on a TV show and have your name be Ollie and not just be a total douche. It's not just be a douche lord. Yeah, it's really, yeah. It's really the thing. Uh, so this whole scene is very, very good. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's very clear that Elliot's not pleased about the leak. He says this is not part of the plan. He says we, as in you and me, Josh and Elliot, need to lie low for a while and right. cut off <laughs> all ties to F Society. He it's, doesn't. It's so great that we're included in that journey. I'm so happy. Like, I'd thank love you to take for bringing for, for a week. <laughs> thank you for bringing us along here, Elliot. Yeah, this is great. Uh, he's going to cut off all ties and just lay low. I think the threatening language did get to him. It's a hard time cutting off all ties, Josh, though, when one of the members of F Society is showering in your apartment. I know, yeah. So Darlene is just like breaking into his apartment, taking showers. Elliot's like, what are you doing here? Why yeah. is that happening? Yeah, and she says, where were you last night? Yeah, and he's like, well, you know, uh, kind of been uh, hanging out with Tyrell Wellick. He doesn't say that, but that's exactly what's been going on. But also, is it ever clear? Do we remember at any point where Elliot was supposed to do something last night? No. 
Yeah. Um, but it's maybe it's like, did your invitation get lost in the mail? Aren't you supposed to be hanging out at F Society? I think it must have, because yeah. I certainly don't remember at any point Elliot knowing that he had to be there. The this night. is the problem with their whole, like, we live in the real world thing. It's like, when you get your snail mail, like, when you're now relying on snail mail, sometimes things get lost in the mail. Especially when you, when, you, when you live where Elliot lives. I mean, who knows what's going on there? Drug dealers popping up on his stoop. Uh, who's stealing his mail? Anybody could be taking Anybody it. Anybody could be taking it. Dog could have pissed on it, Josh. Yeah. Uh, so she wants, no to, dogs. she wants to borrow some clothes for reasons that I will not describe uh, with words. <laughs> yeah, so that would be – it's a good thing Elliot's dog isn't named Stains. <laughs> Stained. Yes. Great band. Yes. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Anyway. So that's happening. Darlene, like all of that is just kind of like character building of Darlene, who is just this person who like gives none of the F's, uh, gives yeah. no F societies. And she's, she's great. Uh, your dog shat on your bed, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Can we go get some Froyo? Yeah. She's not pleased. She wants to get some Froyo. She yeah. wants out of there. Poor Elliot. Poor Shayla. Poor Shayla getting the dog dumped on her. She doesn't seem to be happy to see Darlene standing there looking, you know, the headphones and wanting to get out of there with the sunglasses on. Well, that's I don't like think the she- relationship between Elliot and, and Shayla is just like not perfectly defined. And so right. Shayla's like, what? What yeah. is this? You want me to take care of your dog while you go waltz around New York City with this chick? Yeah, I, don't feel- I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It was too nice, Josh. Yeah, too nice. All right. So Elliot and Darlene, they are going to make the long, long journey from Manhattan to Coney Island. It really is a schlep. <laughs> how, how do you think they got there, Josh? Apparently, they're going to take the F for a little while and then transfer over to the Q. This is the thing that they're doing. Yeah, and they do that to avoid this uh, these scary guys. Yeah, this is a really great moment where she just like shoves him into the train and the doors close. There is no way, by the way, that like she would have been able to time that so perfectly. The so like she could have done that. This was all that I was thinking during this scene. Every time I've rewatched this, scene, great New York show is that she like pu- she pushes Elliot into the train and then the doors they close behind her. You could never reliably you know feel like that was about to happen. Those doors could have just been open forever and the two guys in the suits could have like walked in and be like why did you do that why did you do that because like the train could have just like stalled forever yeah uh i mean i think that that's a uh, i think that's a fair point i don't know i mean but you know it it's a superpower it did work yeah she is uh she is really in tune with the uh new york city subway system the proof is in the pudding yeah indeed i love pudding you love pudding? Almost as much as Darlene loves Froyo. What's your favorite kind of pudding? Uh, chocolate, like Carl Grimes. All right, let's move on. Let's go to F Society. Everyone is so psyched uh, when Elliot walks in. It's like, dude, you did it. This was so good. Yeah, he, he, they're applauding. This is great. He's the hero of the hour. Yeah, he is the hero of the hour. Everyone is very excited about what he did. Darlene's uh, not super hyped. Well, you know, Darlene's whatever. Is Darlene ever really hyped about anything? No, uh, I mean, we just heard her say that she had to leave her boyfriend because he had the audacity to want to spend the rest of his life with her. Right, yeah. And she said she needs to do a disappearing act until he comes to his senses. Right, yeah, okay. Well, we don't need to go there. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, she's really, you know, that's character-defining stuff with Darlene. You know? Absolutely. It's she's just, just a hater. She's She's a bit of a hater. She drinks the haterade, haterade Froyo. Uh, I think I just I really like because she's ranting on and on, and Elliot's just tuning her out. Uh, and so 
we get to the scene. Elliot is really rattled, though, that she knows where he lives. And when we get to this kind of scene, we just she wants to know from Mr. Robot, who's there playing Mallard Murder in the background. Josh, what is this? Is this they couldn't get the license for Duck Hunt? <laughs> I guess not. Uh, you know, I don't know what the licensing is on Duck Hunt, but Mallard Murder is pretty good as well. Yeah. I like Mallard Murder. A big Duck Hunter would have also worked. Yeah. Big yeah, so, <laughs> oh, that's funny. I like. Yeah, that. so this is. I mean, that's this is good. all like this is all going on, and Darlene's big, very insistent. Big duck hunter, that's really good for all you big buck hunter fans out there. I hope you appreciate that. There, that's that's popular in New York City, isn't it? Yeah, there's a good amount of it around here. I know, I know. It's like a. It's kind of ironically popular. Yeah, I think, I think so. Uh, but yeah, he shows up, and you know, everyone's kind of like, "All right, what's the plan now?" She's asking Mister Robot. Yeah, she wants to know what's the plan, and Mister Robot doesn't seem to be that interested in kind of talking to everybody. He gives them all these kind of seemingly meaningless tasks, and she's Darlene storms off in a huff. Uh, this is not great. Uh, but Mr. Robot does want to talk to Elliot uh, while Mr. Robot's getting himself like, some drinks from the concession stand there. Yeah, getting some drinks from the concession stands and kind of gives Elliot the lay of the land in terms of the personnel here at F Society because we've seen a lot of these people. We don't really know any of them yet, but he's like kind of going around the room and being like, oh, check out that person. She's got a lot of jihad in her. It's like, oh, okay, this is a good thing to say. <laughs> yeah, Shamala Akbar in yeah, her for sure. Yeah, how okay. does uh, how does he describe Darlene, Josh? Uh, what does he say about Darlene? He says, I think he says, like she's a bad K hole you'll never wake oh up my from. God, that's a horrible way of describing people. So, Mister Robot either like doesn't have a lot of respect for the people that he works with. Or, you know, he, like, is, like, really, really close with all of them. So he's like, no, nah, they're friends. I can say it. <laughs> well, but let me ask you this. Really do you know what, it, what he was referring to when he said K-hole? No. Well, K-hole is reference to the, the drug ketamine. Yes. And ketamine is kind of like this drug that you that you want to take. It's it's an anesthetic, I think, they use for animals. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's this kind of drug that people get high with, and it's associated a lot with like um, schizophrenia, with out of body experiences, near death experiences. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of these things going on. Memory loss. A K hole is if you've taken too much of it, uh, and you really just have no idea what's going on. You're losing time. You can't control your balance. You're 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 totally disassociated from reality. So that's a K hole. And he's basically saying she is a malware coder. She's a bad person. Yeah. Uh, she's a complicated woman, and you don't want any part of her. She's like, you know, she's like this really bad situation that you don't that you'll never emerge from. And so I yeah, like you said, not the best way to describe somebody for sure. Right. All right. So now they start talking about plans. They're start starting to talk about next steps, and it's involving something called Steel Mountain and this plan that they have in place that might not be so great. For people. Might be great for F society, but another society of people might not be fantastic. Can you walk through this plan a little bit? Yeah. Basically, it is that you can, if you want to really take down Evil Corp, you really need to take down their data. And they, their data or data, if you whatever word you want to call it, is. Their data. Their data, their data data is backed up at a place called Steel Mountain, which is very, very loosely, thinly veiled reference to uh, what I believe is a company called Iron Mountain, who is uh, the kind of company that does backup data for, for large corporations. That, I think it's the biggest data co- corporation in the world. So Steel Mountain is keeping all this data backed up. So you could, for example, go into an E-Corp bank, and if you burned it down, you wouldn't erase anyone's kind of records because nothing is kept on site at that bank. But storage backups are kept at places like Iron Mountain, and they're also kept off-site in, in, in other countries like China. And so it sounds to me like this plan is that Mr. Robot says they're going to blow up a gas pipeline 
in the area of Iron Mountain, which is go- or Steel Mountain, which is going to cause problems at Steel Mountain, essentially taking all of that data offline at Steel Mountain. And they're also going to work with something he calls the Dark Army to help them erase the Chinese backups. Yeah. And blowing up this gas plant, it could subject other humans to loss of life. It is an explosion, Josh. This is kind of a bad deal. Uh, And this isn't a Marvel movie, I guess, although there are uh, complications from that in Marvel movies these days. This isn't a DC movie. Oh, no. Now you're first you're attacking dogs, and now you're attacking the DC fans. But bad things will happen if you blow up even one gas plant. And Elliot is, is vocalizing this to Mr. Robot. He's saying, what about the people that live there? What about the workers? And Mr. Robot's like... Uh, well, say la mort. People will die. People you know, give them a die. little warning. This is what's going to happen. In, in, a, in a war, people die. This is it. Yeah, so we really are starting to see, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to kind of hear like sort of like this Robin Hood romanticism uh, about steal from the rich and give to the poor. And that's really what you're getting in the Ferris wheel. You know, you're getting that in the initial episode, Mr. Robot. Like, that's the character that you're seeing there. And in this episode, Mr. Robot is, I think, really starting to reveal himself to be a much darker individual or at least somebody with a moral flexibility where the things that you and I might not be comfortable doing, um, he feels rather comfortable doing, or at least comfortable enough to say, like, casualty of war. Mr. Robot really is at war, and in war, unfortunately, bodies get dropped, and there are lives that are, are ended or ruined or both, and Mr. Robot is saying, you know, I'm comfortable doing that, and we get to see, you know, firsthand by the end of this episode that it's not just talk. You know, it's not just bark. He'll bite, too. So I think that it's a really interesting turn for this character that we're getting where it's not just we're going to shut down this evil corporation and make sure that that evil corporation is not able to up and run and their power over the world is going to be diminished and it's going to be the biggest power shift in human history. It's really it's not just ideological. It's really physical, too. And that's a frightening prospect, I think, for Elliot, where he's like, I don't know that I signed on for that. Yeah, and and it's interesting because Mr. Robot is kind of running the other characters in the room down as crazier uh, with uh, with kind of jihadist or terroristic tendencies. Right. But what is what he's doing except for that? Except right. for terrorism, except for actions against innocent people for the quote-unquote what he believes to be the greater good. And Elliot responds by saying, like, you can't work with the Dark Army. They have no code. They work with North Korea. They work with terrorists. And he says, Mr. Elliot says to Mr. Robot, you've been staring at a computer screen way too long, homie. I love it. I love Elliot's language from, yeah. like, you know, saying, like, you got to drop that deuce over there, man, to, like, calling people homie. I just love the way Elliot talks. Yeah, but, I mean, Elliot not only is, is talking in a great way, but he's saying great things. Life is not that binary, he says. Right. And Mr. Robot says, no, at its core, life is binary. Yeah, there are grays, but either you make a choice or you don't. And if you leave, if you don't make a choice, you're a zero. Right. You're done if you stay you're a one and so this is the ones and zeros from the episode title that's of course reference to the binary kind of ones and zeros that are behind everything that we do in the world these days the digital kind of universe uh and and the ones and zeros that are happening in this particular view of mr robot are the zeros are the people who do nothing the ones are the people who make a choice and when this is not going well between elliot and mr robot mr robot gets really personal yeah he does uh, and he brings up Elliot's father. He says, like, you know, this is about how those bastards slowly killed your father and how you wish that he had done something about it. But he didn't because he was a zero, just like you are. 
Right. Uh, and that really pushes Elliot away. Elliot's, hard F? Yeah, he drops a hard F bomb at Mr. Robot, and he's just like, nope, F that. I'm out of here. No good. And Darlene is also not psyched about Elliot leaving. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's like, I'm not killing people. And she's saying, like, but you're part of this. Puts the hoodie up, runs away. Even your stupid hoodie can't protect you. Right. And Elliot, Elliot knows she's right. He says, we are culpable. That's us too, Josh. Yeah. No, I know. It's, it's definitely <laughs> us because he gets on the train. And once again, with the editing, just really, really inspiring and shoring up these feelings of paranoia is he's on the train as he's leaving Coney Island. And he's talking about like, I am culpable. We're culpable. You're in this with me too. Start thinking the solutions. Right. Meow. And, you know, he is, he, he is, you know, he's looking at us. He's talking about us. And that's when we cut to commercial. And it's just like, oh, man, that's really frantic. That's very heavy. Did you say meow because Big Cat has asked you to say meow in this podcast? No, I, I said meow because Foster bet me that I couldn't say meow nine times in this. Oh, podcast. my gosh. Well, do I look like a cat to you, boy? <laughs> yeah, I see you eating mice. <laughs> okay, well, am I jumping out from branch to branch? Oh, nibbly bimbly from tree yes. to tree. All or right. drinking milk from a saucer. <laughs> so well, good. but this is the thing. Elliot, I mean, Elliot is, he's hes in bad spot. You're right. He yeah. needs the solutions right now. And he has to go see Shayla. He wants drugs. That's his solution. He needs his drugs. Yeah. Because he's in that situation where it's already been an off week, Josh. It's already been an off week. It's about to, you know, it's going to continue to be an off week here. Get more off, yeah. Yeah, things are about to get really off in this really intense scene that I don't know what the runtime on this scene is, but it's an entire segment. You know, it's an entire act of the episode. And it's the big Fernando Vera thing. You know, Elliot walks into Shayla's apartment, knocks on her bathroom door, is not getting an answer. Little does he know that there is another human being in this apartment with... I guess you could call him that. You know, with Shayla and Elliot. And he turns and he looks and it's this guy, Fernando Vera, who is... uh, Who is who? He is the drug dealer. He is the guy who is supplying the morphine withdrawal medication and the drugs and is Shayla's drug supplier. And Shayla, apparently Shayla's, you know, reluctant lover. I don't really know how you want to describe that. Yeah, well, let's just put it this way. Elliot has hacked Vera before. Yeah. And Elliot knows that he, he describes him as one of the worst he's ever hacked. Yeah. His password, Josh, can we say what his password is? Nope. <laughs> e to D6969. <laughs> yeah, fine. Fair. Okay. Yes, his password is E to D6. I, I have to change all my passwords now, Josh, now that my password <laughs> God, is out there. It's awful. He's buying all this horrible torture porn. Yeah. He runs gang and drug activity on social media. It seems he is like a he's a killer. Yeah, it seems like he's ordering hits on people yes, on Twitter. Clack. Do you think that he's one of Ollie's Twitter followers? One of the he's a real tastemaker, Josh. He's a real tastemaker. Yeah, I don't know. I hope he's not one of my Twitter followers. <laughs> if you're following me, Vera, please unfollow. Yeah, but yeah, this is a not a, not a great guy. But this is he's Elliot could have turned him in at any point. Hasn't done so because this is where Elliot gets his drugs. Right. Ultimately. And Elliot wants those drugs. Elliot wants those drugs. He needs those drugs, Josh. Yeah, needs and those drugs. Even though Vera's like, I'm sure that you're like, you don't need those things. Like, oh, you're very, very smart, Elliot. Yeah, Vera's more interested in talking to Elliot about names and the value of names. He asks Elliot, like, what does your name mean? It's very important. Uh, and Josh, you gotta, you gotta Google that. Yeah, what is Josh? Do you know what Josh means? I looked it up. You know, I looked this up as well. Uh, okay. I looked this up as well because I watched this and two things occurred to me. It was like, one, no, I really haven't Googled my name before. Uh, I, know that it means to, I know that it means to jest. 
I know that Josh means to jest. Uh, to, You're joshing me. To, to joke with people. Uh, but I also figure that probably Antonio is going to Google my name and is going to find out what it means. So did you, Antonio, find yourself on Urban Dictionary by any chance? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I, did you, uh, when did you plant this is all, is all I ask. When did you put this on? I uh, did not dictionary? plant this. I swear on my life. <laughs> I swear on my life. This is the top definition. Obviously, also, Josh was biblical whatever uh but this is, <laughs> this is this is the urban Dic- the actual meaning yeah. let's talk about the urban meaning. let's talk about the urban dictionary meaning this is according to urban dictionary this is what joshua means oh joshua is i'm a, puking already joshua is a sexy masculine individual exuding the most desirable of traits Although Joshua may be timid at first, his genuine and compassionate charm shine through above all things. He can be trusted with any secret. That's true. And will always pull through, even when the going gets tough. Not true. true. That part's false. His understanding and support of nature can put anyone at ease, as he is never judgmental, but always rather willing to listen with an open mind. He is the epitome (laughs) of a true man. And I swear, I did not write that. The word craven does not appear anywhere in there, John. It doesn't. There's like a ton of different definitions for it, and they all kind of fall in line. Joshua is a guy who is like a book. You cannot judge a book by its cover. Looks can deceive, but not with Joshua. He's attractive, but his personality is absolutely stunning and unique. You'll find yourself lost with a Joshua. He treats girls with the utmost respect. Loyal he will be. Honesty is the best policy for a Joshua. Truth comes with time as long. All right, all right, all right, all right. (laughs) The funny thing is, Joshua... they do some examples oh, of, like they use it in sentences girl one wow he's such a joshua girl two i know i'm lucky to have him <sighs> <laughs> this is just so, it's just so jo- weird what the, is this well the original joshua entry was submitted by user char 1313 which is a very clever alias for you to use <laughs> uh i don't know did you read the antonio entry no and <laughs> i wanted to be surprised on that all right and it says an urban dictionary top definition antonio can be mexican italian or a black person's <laughs> name it originated in italy many people mistake it for a mexican person's name Usually people with the name Antonio are amazing lovers. They're usually very good looking and could take your breath away with just one glance. Oh man, see, so clearly Urban Dictionary's got it right. Examples. What is your name? My name is Antonio. Oh, are you Mexican? No. (laughs) Example two. Antonio is an amazing lover from Italy slash Spain. He has a nice body and a beautiful tan. Example number three. Antonio is a sexy name. Example number four. Did you meet that fine Italian boy? What was his name? Antonio. (laughs) This definition submitted by Antonio Varchetta. So I got to say a little bit, I think, on the nose. He could have at least, you know, know, disguised that a little Uh, bit. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Really fun exercise to go and look yourself up on Urban Dictionary. So if nothing else, Fernando Farrow was right. Oh, you got to Google your name. (laughs) By the way, Girl 1 and Girl 2 did talk about me as well what did they girl say? one i hear antonio likes you girl two yeah he does girl one you're a very lucky girl girl two i know teardrop and smiles <laughs> the, the, the dialogue exchanges are pretty much always like that yeah oh great in, in reality joshua means generous and jehovah's gen- god is generous and right. god saves and antonio means worthy of praise worthy yeah. of that i so, prefer the urban dictionary definition oh, of it course really cracked me up when i came across that and i just had a really good laugh right now but so. yeah we and you need you need a laugh because what's happening with Vera? I mean, he is smoking crack in this scene, Josh. Yeah, he has 
tears in his eyes. He's holding a gun at Elliot. He takes Elliot's drugs away. And he basically implies that, thank you, Elliot, because of you, I met the love of my life. It's all because of you. I owe you. This is great. This is beautiful. You brought Shayla into my world. Yeah. That girl is mine. Yeah. You better respect my boundaries. And then, man, this is rough. He's got like I, a gun on him and stuff. Yeah, this is no good. No bueno. And, and I got to say, most villains on TV shows are kind of one or two dimensional. Vera, as much as he's an awful guy, this is a fascinating scene. It's a fascinating scene because you don't expect a guy like this to, you know, be talking the way that he's talking and talking about the things he's talking about. But he is so deeply unsettling and really, really just awful rotten to the core and the type of guy who believes that he's just like got this wonderful purpose this glorious purpose there's a reason why he's there talk about delusions of grandeur yeah believes in like the purpose of life that like everything really does have meaning um and it's it's frightening coming well especially yeah especially considering he probably has uh, raped shayla she doesn't remember anything yeah And, and and also considering that Elliot is now carrying this around with him, that he is responsible for this monster being allowed to kind of exist in the world. And I think he's kind of pondering that choice. He basically says in voiceover, getting rid of Vera means getting rid of the drugs. Right. And I could quit cold turkey or I let Vera exist. And he's left me no choice. He can't be allowed to exist. And we see Elliot go back to therapy with Krista. He's looking at these farmhouse paintings in the room. And he goes on this a kind of extended monologue, Josh, one of his rants about, the, the, about choice in society and about the illusion of choice, the absence of choice. If you're choosing between two predetermined outcomes, are you really choosing anything? And he talks about how we have Coke and Pepsi or McDonald's and Burger King, Hyundai or Honda. I could never really pronounce Hyundai. Like, well, yeah, you want to say Hyundai? I always or, want to say Hyundai. Hyundai? I had a Hyundai. I call it Hyundai. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, we can't pick our cable, gas, health There's insurance. There's a big difference between Coke and Pepsi, by the way. Oh, yeah. Pepsi sucks. Pepsi sucks. I mean, come Team on. Team Coke. If you want a Pepsi, just take a Coke and put a few packs of sugar in it. Sure. Uh, but anyway, this is this is what's ultimately happening. Um, and, and he's he's kind of like uh, we see as he's ranting here that that Vera's getting arrested, that Elliot has turned him in. He starts shouting at Krista. Uh, Krista basically says hey, she brings up the dad, too. Everybody is turning these daddy issues at Elliot. Right. Uh, and Krista says this is because your dad didn't do anything when he got cancer. Maybe he felt the same way as you do now. Uh, you have options. You found options. You don't, don't take what life gives you, Krista saying. Tell me what's going on. Elliot starts screaming. Shut up. Yeah. Shut this up. Is op- this is what people do when they're on opiates. This is not great. Yeah. Um, Krista recognizes the bags under his eyes, says he's been messed up for the last month. These are old patterns and old behaviors for Elliot. And yet, this is where we are. Yeah, yet this is where we are. Elliot's obviously remarkably unhinged. He has, he has chosen cold turkey over let Vera exist. Yes. And long term, good call, bro. Great yeah. call. Fantastic yeah. call. Short term, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge for very sure. Very challenging. Very challenging because of, you know, what you put yourself through. Yeah, because when you're on a 30 milligram a day habit for morphine and you don't have your withdrawal meds, uh, it's going to be very difficult. So uh, it could be worse. It could be somebody accessing his laptop camera remotely. It could be. Before we move into that, I also just want to give Krista some props, who is doing some really great work in this office, I think, in this moment, and also to see how she's rebounded from her pretty terrible episode one, yeah. uh, where she had that guy, I forget his name. Uh, Michael, whatever you want to call one of, him. One of his, Lenny, Michael. Yeah, one of his many aliases. 
Yes. Uh, where she has been, you know, she was really betrayed by that and was really, really shaken up by that the last time we saw her. And here she is really saying, like, you got to fight. You don't have to take the options. You don't have to just take what life gives you. Really solid advice to a person like Elliot in Elliot's moment. Obviously, Elliot not in a place where he can really hear that. But just great to see Krista, you know, kind of really owning her role a little bit. Yeah, it is. And and look, this is somebody who clearly could play a better role in Elliot's life if he would let her uh, instead of just screaming, shut up at her. Shut she up. Is, she is interested in helping him. Uh, she's one of many people in his life, Angela included, I think, who are very interested in helping him. Shayla trying to hold Elliot to his promises in this episode. Right. Gideon interested in his professional development. There are all kinds of people on the positive side of life holding out their hands to him, but there's also F Society. There's also Mr. Robot. And this is kind of the choice that Elliot has to make is – do, do I try to participate in society or do I make this choice to F society? Yeah. And that's a, it's a very interesting choice that Elliot's faced with. Uh, I think we see the consequences of that a little bit in this episode, uh, but we, we definitely see what's happening with Angela as well. Yeah, we definitely see that. I mean, we could just touch on it really briefly. It's obviously a thing. No touching. That, no touching. It's obviously a thing that will get some play beyond this episode, but the seeds are planted here, or the CD is planted here. The uh, turtle from Entourage apparently wasn't just part not of Vinny Chase's. <laughs> obviously not just part of Vinny Chase's Entourage, not just an aspiring rapper. This guy obviously is is a little more shifty than that. We see that the CD from him that Ollie puts into his computer, it's not working, but just by loading it, it has given Turtle some access to Ollie's laptop. What he needs that for, who knows? Uh, Angela and Ollie both work at AllSafe, so a fairly safe bet that it's going to involve that. Right. I think that's a good point. And you, you get the impression that maybe he was trolling for these two specifically, and he was just waiting for the time trolling when... with my homies. Rack that's on the, Ice, yes. That's the number one track on his CD. Yes, this is a, fair, a famous uh, Coolio song. So, yeah, that's what's happening R.I.P. here. R.I.P. Brittany, yes. R.I.P. Brittany. Oh, my gosh, yeah. you're right. That's yeah. so sad. Yeah. But, yeah, this is, a, this is not good. You got the access to the webcam. He's a creep. He appears to be in the library. He's chatting in Chinese to yeah. somebody and says, we're in. Yeah. Yeah, so they're in. Not good. Not, not great, Bob. Not great, Turtle. Uh, all right, so well, well, your position on dogs and cats is clear. What do you? How do you feel about turtles? Uh, I, I, turtles are fine. They're fine. They're fine. All right, let's get to the end of the episode. Really climactic final scene here at Coney Island. Elliot finds Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot's doing some reading. Is he reading anything interesting? Anything we could talk about in a spoiler-free section, at least? Yeah, he's a little bit. He's reading from a Tolstoy novel called Resurrection, yeah. uh, which uh, is there's a lot of Tolstoy connections. I think uh, if you want to talk about, uh, in, we can talk about in the spoiler section. But cool. just this this uh, this book Resurrection, I think, has a little bit of a loose kind of connection. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just read you kind of part of the plot. Someone's framed for murder, and the one of it's someone's employee, and the boss goes uh, to kind of look into her, visits her in prison. He meets other prisoners. He hears their stories. He slowly comes to realize that all around his charmed and golden aristocratic world, yet invisible to it, is a much larger world of oppression, misery, and barbarism. Shortly after the story, he hears and even sees people chained without cause beaten without cause, immured and dangerous for life without cause, and a 12-year-old boy sleeping in a lake of human dung. Um, the book achieves a bizarre intensity human of dung. a horrific fever dream. So, I mean, this is... Elliot has mentioned the invisible hand a lot, these things that are going on all around Isn't us that in who society. who Daredevil fights? 
Yes, that's exactly right. He fights the Invisible Hand. That's exactly who he's fighting. Uh, he was a ninja who only wears an overcoat and a hat and glasses. Uh, should be played by Johnny Depp. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what's happening. So, no, this is, I think, very much uh, germane to the larger struggle that's being discussed uh, in Mr. Robot in these first two episodes uh, and kind of the mission of F Society. So, not some light reading for Mr. Robot here. Yeah. So, we get into a conversation between Elliot and Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot still not thrilled that Elliot walked away and since he's coming back and since he's seemingly wanting to get back in business with Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot says, Elliot, well, that's great, but you owe me a debt since he walked away. And it's like, I thought you didn't like debt. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I believe in debt. I believe in debts being paid. Yeah, quid pro quo, Senator. That's what he likes. So he wants to know about Elliot's father. He wants to know about how Elliot's father died. Uh, again, everyone just like really digging into it. But obviously, Mr. Robot has a vested interest in it, having brought up the father knowing that it, Knowing that it's a sensitive button. Right, yeah. Got the F-bomb out of Elliot, and Elliot stormed out. I exactly. think Mr. Robot recognizes he can use this. Yeah, so it's like, all right, so let's tie it back. And like at first, you think that like he's saying it so that they can have kind of this tender moment. And Elliot gives this whole talk about how like uh i was super close with my dad he worked at e-corp he worked at evil corp uh he got fired nobody knew why he got sick he had leukemia he told me not to tell anybody especially my mother the sicker he got i finally told my mom and when he found out he was shoving me he was shoving me and he shoved me so hard that i fell out of a window and i broke my arm we never spoke after that uh, and that's really couldn't even, he, he couldn't even look at it. Yeah, and that's where he left it. And so it's like, wow, that really sucks that like this person you were remarkably close with died after having like no real closure with you. Like that's just a very sad, horrible ending. And Mr. Robot like extends an arm and yeah. touches Elliot, and Elliot is not a toucher, no touching, no, no, no touching. Like, do you think like it's it's like this really great moment where Mr. Robot's like, listen, I get it, I know what it's like to lose a parent. And you're like, okay, so these guys are simpatico again, and then the yeah. turn. Yeah, uh, and then we the good. Turn. Elliot says, we good? Yeah, he's like, no, nah, we not good. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Robot says, did you ever think he was right? You oh, know, <laughs> did you ever think you deserved it for betraying his trust? And before before Elliot can even like give his counter argument, like he gets a few words out, and then Mr. Robot just launches him off the side of the rail. Speaking of trust falls, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is a total mistrust fall. Yeah, this is bad. This is really, real, real really bad. bad. We already saw a shot. Like, what's below them is rocks. Rocks. Yeah. 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 No good. It's not great. It does and, not rock. And what does Mr. Robot say after Elliot has fallen? You didn't commit to the sacred pact that you had formed. Oh, my gosh. So this is why you don't mess around with F Society, Josh. You, you do not F with F Society. Yeah. Because uh, when you don't commit to the sacred pact that you form with them, they shove you off of rails at Coney Island. Yeah, and you fall onto rocks, and it's terrible. Yeah. Onto so rocks. TBD as to what we will see next from Elliot when we well, get— Oh, the book was called Resurrection, Josh, so maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe he'll rise up like Jesus. You know what? Spoiler alert. I think Elliot will continue to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, something tells me we're going to have Elliot next episode. I don't but, know. Could but, be crazy. But, you know, like, how does he react to something so violent like that, something so extreme? And I think, again, you know, this episode really shows us a different side of Mr. Robot. It shows us a different side of Christian Slater's character in terms of, you know, he's not just somebody who is talking about this really poetic philosophy. He is also talking about 
you know, we might have to kill some people in order to affect the change that we want. And if you're committed to this thing, then you really have to be willing to get violent. And when Elliot shows that he is not willing to go there, obviously Mr. Robot's not thrilled about that. And so when Elliot finally does come back to Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot isn't done teaching a lesson at least. And it's like, all right, well, how about a little more violence for you? Uh, so I think it's very instructive in terms of the character that we see him in this moment doing this to Elliot. Uh, it's a really shocking development for sure. Yeah. So that is uh, shocking to say the least, which we'll, we'll pick up from where we leave off here next week in the non-spoiler section. Yeah, Anything not, else in the non-spoiler section? Nothing Josh? else. We in, good? We good? <laughs> no, we're not good. Uh, yeah, well, let me push you into the spoiler-filled section. That's where we're going to go next. If you made it to the end of the spoiler-free section, what do you think the hashtag should be here? Oh, I don't know. I, I, we had a really good one at the beginning, and I already forgot. We had Charles, Charles Grobot. At that was it. Point. Charles that was, Grobot. That's that, what I wanted to be. That was pretty good you could go evil, you could go evil cat if you wanted to but i think charles grobot will be pretty unique yes. uh, so give us charles grobot if you made it this far i'm on twitter at round howard antonio is at ac mazzaro how many z's and r's are involved in that antonio two z's one r and i would encourage you to look at my new twitter header oh god yeah something happened there all right well we'll, we'll discuss we'll discuss that we'll discuss that at some point soon so we'll be back next week talking about episode three from the spoiler free perspective that episode is called uh again and also hard to say eps 1.2 underscore d3 bug dot mkv Let's just call it debug we'll just call it How about debug. that we'll just call it debug but i always want to just like spell it out because it's fun you are so lead <laughs> i'm really i'm working on my lead speak all right we'll work on our lead speak in the spoiler filled section coming up now as you are hearing the music if you don't want to get in there really turn this thing off right now yes bail out You are now entering the spoiler zone here on our recap of episode two of Mr. Robot season one on Robot Road on our way to the season two premiere of Mr. Robot. Antonio, how you doing? No time has passed between you and I. Yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler. Here we are. Spoilers. I'm fine. You're fine. Spoilers. You're not- spoilers I am good. We good. We good, bro. We good. We good. All right. So again, just your final, final warning. This is the spoiler section. Really don't listen to this stuff unless you have seen all of Mr. Robot season one. Uh, really don't encourage you listening any further. Without further ado, let's get into it. And Antonio, where should we start this week? Should we start at the end? Should we work our way back? Yeah, let's start at the end and work our way back. Yeah, and I think what's really, you know, we're just dealing again with the concept that Elliot and Mr. Robot are one and the same. Um, And so Elliot getting thrown off of the rail by Mr. Robot is Elliot trying to kill himself? I think so, right? I don't Um, think he slipped. Well, you know, I think that, you know, that's one very easy read is that Elliot is trying to end it. But I think that there's also, you know, to drill in a little bit deeper, I think that you have to think about the reason why Mr. Robot is bothering with Elliot at all. Uh, Like, why is he even dealing with Elliot in the first place? Why does he even bother involving him in any of this F Society plot? Why did he wake him up? 
What does he need him for? Um, and I think, is there anything instructive about the fact that we are seeing that, like, Elliot is, you know, he is not using his medication? Um, and around that time is when he finally starts seeing Mr. Robot. Is there anything to, like, while he was on it, he wasn't able to see Mr. Robot? And now the Mr. Robot side of his personality is kind of dealing with an Elliot that he can't, you know, hide from. That, you know, he's going to exist in front of this guy, at least to some degree. Yeah, but I mean, I think that that ultimately still ends with him trying to jump off that off that railing because. But you could see why this version of Mister Robot would try to incite some violent action in Elliot to kind of like scare him straight a little bit and you know scare the shit out of him. And I don't think that the Mister Robot side of him would want to end it all. I think that the Elliot Elliot would want to end it all. But I think Mister Robot's got business to attend to, and he's the guy that tosses Elliot off of the side. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I think that you're talking about that Mr. Robot could represent guilt in that scene. And the guilt is that he did break a sacred pact with his father as an eight-year-old kid or a 10-year-old kid or whatever. He's not capable of comprehending anything more than the simple view of that I, I let my dad down, that he didn't talk to me. An adult, a mature adult, a person who knew me better than anyone was so let down by me breaking that trust that he pushed me out a window and never talked to me again. Right. And that's who he let down. And so I think if you talk about that being what's in Elliot's mind, it manifests as his actual father telling him, you let me down, uh, and then causing him to, to harm himself. And I think whether or not you want to say, I agree with what you're saying, that the Mr. Robot character in general does not want Elliot dead uh, per se, I think he wants Elliot to do harmful things. I think he's a destructive guy. He's very clearly a violent guy. He represents that side of Elliot who wants to really blow up society and who wants to be the one. But I think he also uh, represents Elliot's father through and through. Right. And I think as that manifestation of, you know, what Elliot's capable of comprehending or remembering about his father, he does still feel really screwed up about this thing that happened with his dad. Yeah, so it's a really intense moment. All right, let's talk about the, the Tolstoy novel. Um, and what you think some of the implications of that are given what we know about the future of Mr. Robot. Well, I just think that talking about how the book has this bizarre intensity of a horrific fever dream and all these things that are happening in the world around it, to somebody waking up, uh, being exposed to the kind of silent suffering of the the underclass of society. I think it's uh, fascinating that that book is sort of present in this scene, not necessarily for anything that speaks to Elliot's subconscious per se. Elliot never really glimpses the title. I don't think that we know Elliot knows what the book is, but I think as a nice Easter egg for people, once we know what the show is ultimately about, uh, I think that 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 really kind of shines through. Yeah. Um, One of the things that's great about this episode is when Elliot gets to F Society uh, and he shows up there and everyone's applauding him and Mr. Robot is playing Mowered Murder. Yes. uh, And like, you know, the shotgun blast really startles Elliot. You don't really notice anybody else reacting to that. No. And I think it I mean, I think that it's it's that it's that, you know, when when Darlene is speaking to said, what's the plan? She, Elliot's standing right behind Mr. Robot. She could easily be speaking to Elliot if you viewed that scene without Mr. Robot in it. It wouldn't look weird. It would look totally normal. Well, what would you, look weird is that Elliot would not be speaking and would be psychically projecting his thoughts to her. Well, that would be weird, yes. <laughs> but uh, other but than no, that. Other than that, yes, it would look normal. It's funny to see all these people worshiping Elliot when he walks in, knowing what we know about how he's the kind of man with the plan. He's the big boss. It's not Mr. Robot. This is 
really kind of all his doing. It's very fascinating to view it on that level. Right. It's like, um, it's not like the new hot shot MVP, like great job, rookie. You did it. Like, no. it's not like Luke Skywalker blew ah. up the death star. It's like, I don't know. Mon Mothma did the thing. The person who's been there the whole time, you know, who's been there and organized this thing from the start. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly what it is. And yeah, he's the boss and they're, they're, they're very happy to do or that. The boss succeeded. They're happy to see the boss and they'll go do whatever the boss says. But as the boss, it's fascinating because let's talk about that scene between uh, Mr. Robot and Elliot in the arcade when I don't know how that's going to look to them. Is, is Elliot standing in the corner, just mumbling to himself, yelling, fighting with himself. I mean, we do see later in the series, a perspective of a shot where Elliot's choking himself. Right. So clearly he does carry on with Mr. Robot in public. But does uh, he always like, I mean, I, I don't know. It's a good question. You know, and I, I don't know. Like, I think if you start like really drilling down into that, I mean, that's something for us to watch along the way. Absolutely. Um, because my memory of it isn't fantastic to begin with, but I think that you could get away, you know, narratively and just in the writing of it. I think you could get away with like, this is all kind of playing out in his mind. I mean, we don't see when Mr. Robot is talking to Darlene. Uh, and that's obviously Elliot is saying those words, but they're being said through his Mr. Mr. His Mr. Christian Slater is what I was going to say. Sister so, Christian? Yeah, Sister Christian Slater. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not saying it. You know, you don't see Elliot's mouth moving. So I don't know why you would absolutely have to believe that Elliot is physically speaking to Mr. Robot in the arcade as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it, is, it is also fascinating what Mr. Robot is saying because at one point, he calls Elliot's father a zero, right. just like you're being right now. Is that some robot self-loathing, Josh? Yes, self-robot loathing, yeah. <laughs> yes. Even a robot can cry. Even an android can cry. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. It's just, like I said, it's clear from this scene that the Mr. Robot of it all, that that, that side of Elliot is very violent, much more violent than Elliot. That Elliot, the, the, the person who lives in society and is quote-unquote normal, it says, hey, homie, this isn't how the world works. Right. You know, he says the normal thing, the normal person thing. And it's this crazy dark side of Elliot that's telling him, no, the world works where people have to die in war and these things have to happen. Right. Um, another really great thing that happens in this F Society scene is when Mr. Robot, he's talking to Darlene and he says, like, he's very direct and, like, gets the info that he wants. He's like, okay, great. I'm going to go hang back in the corner. Yeah. Uh, and hanging back in the gather corner. Gather my thoughts. You know, it's like, I'm going to go gather my thoughts and hang back in the corner. Yeah. So it's like, all right, my personality is now going back into the deep recesses of Elliot Alderson's mind. Yeah. Have fun, everybody. Yeah, and what's really crazy about that is in the deep recesses of Elliot's mind, uh, he knows that this is about daddy issues on some level because he says, Mr. Robot says to Elliot, this is about how those bastards slowly killed your father and how you wished he'd done something about it. Yeah. And the fact that, that even subconsciously, even in a schizo dissociative state, if you want to call it this or whatever, even as a delusion, Elliot recognizes that his delusions are, exist in some way because of the things that happened with his dad. Yeah. That that has caused or fomented this condition in Elliot that manifests as his father, as a person that he doesn't recognize as his father. So even on a subconscious level, Elliot recognizes that this is about the stuff with his dad. And so that's all very fascinating for sure. Very fascinating. Speaking of bad K-holes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Where do you want to go next? Uh, what's the next big ticket item you want to hit in terms of the spoiler section? I think there's two big ticket items left. So 
w- let's leave it up to you. Let's talk about the Wellick of it all, or let's talk about the Dark Army of it all. Uh, and I think that also I would actually like to toss one more in there. And okay. I'd, I'd like to toss in the Fernando Vera of it all. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I didn't think about that, but we'll do that. But so let's, uh, let's quickly hit the Dark Army. Of sure. It. Okay. So Cisco, we know, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Turtle. A.k.a. Uh, Ciscoach. Assist coach, a.k.a. yes, this is what's happening. Uh, He has arrived on the scene here as a representative of the Dark Army. Josh, I texted you the translation of what is being said back and forth with Cisco and White Rose, who is involved in this conversation. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we we have a really interesting conversation here. White Rose is already being set up this early on. There's a few things that are being set up really early um, that you really appreciate once you've seen some of these characters appear on screen more. Like Tyrell Wellick's wife is in like, you know, like the big picture. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot there, and there, and we'll talk about that when we get into the Wellick of it all for sure. But this is ultimately White Rose saying we just need one of them inserting the disc. We see somebody saying, "Why are we wasting time on home computers?" We see somebody White Rose says, "I never waste time." Yeah. That's fat, fat fantastic that we've got white rose talking about time in episode two uh, it's for influencing power white rose says and right. then cisco says we're in and so i think you've got dark army uh, kind of involved in this right away and so the question is ultimately and i think this is a question i struggled with and i drew the lines out throughout the rest of the series and i think i've got some clarity on it is was Elliot involved in this in any way, in some kind of state? Was, was Elliot setting this up? Is this part of the F society plan or not? Interesting. Um, hadn't really thought about that yet. Do you have thoughts on that right now? Yeah, and I just, I, I, don't, I don't think that it is. Uh, White Rose says this is about influencing power. If you draw forward what happens with this disc, they use the leverage they get on Douchebag Ollie yeah. to get leverage ultimately on Angela. They use that leverage on Angela to get Angela to install the hack at AllSafe. They use the hack at AllSafe to discover that Gideon, in his continued distrust of Elliot, has set up that server that they need at at the uh, at at the E Corp kind of offsite facility has set up that server as a honeypot, as essentially a target to draw Elliot and F Society in, so that they can catch them. And once they they've hacked into Allsafe and read Gideon's emails, the Dark Army realizes this. This is why they don't want to be involved in the hack. This is what White Rose says to Elliot later. There's a honeypot. You didn't know about it. That's how they find out. They find out through this hack. So something tells me this was the Dark Army getting leverage and protecting themselves if they're going to get involved with what's happening with F Society. They want to be protected and know the, the rules of the game, and they do actually find out rules of the game that F Society was not aware of. Well, I hope that that's all right. I, I prefer that because like, I think that at a certain point, uh, Elliot can't be responsible for everything. No, know? yeah, no, I don't think so. And I, I really do think as we see at the end, the very end, the post credit scene at the end of this scene. Right, when, series, we, when we see White Rose in full-fledged BD Wong mode. Yes, talking to the, the CEO of Evil Corp and not really seemingly caring about the hack that has gone down. And in, in this kind of weird Illuminati, eyes wide shut, top 1% of the 1%, true detective season two kind of way. Uh, yeah. Uh, playing into this idea that there's a much bigger thing in play here, that it isn't just about E-Corp, it isn't just about this hack, that there's some other thing in play, that maybe it's about how does this 1% of the 1% benefit from the incident that's gone down. Uh, and maybe they put it in play to begin with so that these people could get even richer. Yeah, And like so 
having the dark army, especially white Rose as oppositional to Elliot in that regard means that they're going to, they're going to look out for themselves in scenarios like this. And I think that that's ultimately what this CD incident is all about. The part of that that's questionable. Of course, we know from this episode when Darlene's talking about her boyfriend, that's Cisco. And we know that she and Cisco are on the way out uh, and that they've got issues and they're oppositional in some respect. So there is a connection between F Society and the Dark Army, specifically the Dark Army agent who put the CD out there. But doesn't it feel more like that that story is kind of like the Romeo and Juliet thing? Not to compare them to such excellent, you know, know, huge romantic icons, but the idea being like, you know, you're a, a Capulet and I'm a Montague and we can't get together. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's most likely the scenario that is in play there. Uh, and Romero is not uh, Romeo. Uh, <laughs> it's not this thing. Mobley. Yeah, these are yeah. these things that are happening. These are not like actual characters right. that are in play. Uh, but yeah, that is most likely the scenario. But I think that's why people would question it. And I think that don't you like the scene that happens later in the series when Ali takes the CD out and he's like, oh, I figured out why it's not working. It's just a scratch. Yeah, what a douche that Oh my gosh, what a douche. So anyway, I think that that's really what's going on there. Uh, We'll definitely track that and follow it as we continue throughout the course of that hack. But I don't think that Elliot was really involved in that. That said, let's get into the Wellick of it all. How much was Wellick involved, do you think, with everything that's gone on? Well, it's fun to read that scene as though he already knows Elliot, right? Like he says things like, I, you know, I want you back here where you belong with me, with me here with me. Like you get the sense that Elliot and Wellick have some history, I think. Yeah. Don't you think so? Like, doesn't it feel like there is something that has been going on between Wellick and Elliot pre-series? I do. And I, I, I'll tell you this. I watched this series. I rewatched the series. I rewatched it again. And then I'm watching these episodes one at a time. And it's only now that we're breaking it down that I'm really starting to think that Wellick and Elliot were probably interacting a lot more off screen and a lot more than we originally thought uh, than we see in the context of the series. We'll get into this much deeper in episodes where they have more extensive interactions. Yeah. This one. Really I looking forward to episode five. Episode five at Steel Mountain is, yeah. is going to be a great one for that. But just to say illegal, that word there, for example, uh, the job offer itself, not illegal. What's happening with F society and the hacking and everything, very illegal. Right. So maybe it's not just, you know, writing, choosing the wrong word or Wellick's character choosing the wrong word. Uh, Maybe that's all part of it. I also think it's interesting that the the guy from the Mr. Sutherland, Mr. X, Gives him Wellick's Mr. number. X. Mr. X. MRX, Josh. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had an MRX? No. Let's not talk about this. No. Uh, Elliot, Elliot has the number for Wellick. The, the question you, of course, ask yourself is, had he ever used this before? Did he, does he ever use it again without us knowing? We'll have to track that. Uh, but we'll always be close by is also very interesting, that they'll always be close by. And so, I don't know. I think that that's fascinating. I think... I think there's a lot to track on that going forward. I don't think there's a ton more evidence in this episode. One thing I will say is, you're right, when we see Mrs. Wellick in the kind of data dump, that's the thing that makes Elliot kind of go nuts when he sees Wellick's normal life. Part of Wellick's normal life is people on his Facebook liking his status, and they're referred to as Elliot's viewing them as just 
person one and person two. Right. But Joanna's full name is on there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because we've definitely seen, and, you know, we drilled down into it a little bit in our first podcast, in our first episode recap, where uh, Elliot is looking at Krista's dating profile. And, you know, it all looks like gobbledygook. You know, it's all just like, you know, his version of what, like, what in a quote unquote, like, stupid idiot who uses a dating thing and has terrible taste in men. Like, that's like how he views it. Um, So he's definitely looked at the internet and it has responded to him with skewed information. Interesting that Joanna Wellick is highlighted. She's highlighted as, and, and what's, what's really weird about it is if you really get down, do the deep dive and you want to freeze frame it, uh, Elliot, or like there's a status that Wellick posts about good morning. It's all it basically says. And then there's like a bunch, there's like six other comments and it's that Facebook thing where the first six comments aren't viewable and then the last three are. But the, the first, the three that are viewable are, are all from Joanna. Uh, and as I said, she's the one that whose status, whose name is there. Everything else is person one and person two. And you don't see the other comments. You only see her comments. And chronologically, it seems like hers would have been the first on the status because of what she's talking about. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like a weird stream of consciousness thoughts that she's posting like, can you bring this home? Can you bring that home? It's kind of odd that they're in that order and they're there. So I don't know. I don't know if it shows that Elliot knows Joanna already uh, or if he knows of her already so she's present, whereas everyone else is referred to as person one or person two. It's, it's, inter- it's interesting. It's definitely questionable. I think we've got a fantastic scene between the two, uh, between Elliot and Joanna later in the, in the finale. Uh, so tracking their, what Elliot knows about Joanna before then, this is something that popped for me. Yeah, so I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, is it, well, first off, before I even get into that, with Darlene, knowing that Darlene is Elliot's sister, was there anything fun in this episode? I of mean, course, yeah. You know, I like mean, her being like, yeah, can I just crash with you? And Yeah, she knows where he lives. Right. Uh, she doesn't like the fact that he saw her in the shower. It's really I, weird. Yeah, I also like how she's says like i like to stay on my toes we know that she's into ballet yes yeah good point good point that's very funny uh having your sister make references to the cs's on her cs Cs lewis Lewis of the world yes no good not great uh not great i also think by the way speaking of family just before we move on any into a different topic altogether uh elliot does the wipe ritual after the wellick thing and then he sees the picture of his mother uh, and he that we later know will contain Darlene and Mr. Robot, uh, Christian Slater, when Elliot's memories start to come back. Yeah. The question is how much of a metaphor is Elliot's memory, computer memory wipe ritual with Elliot's actual memory being wiped uh, and how Elliot's actual memory being wiped is manifested in the fact that he can look at a picture and not see everything in the picture back to the future style. Right. It yep. means that he is Elliot McFly. Yeah, or it just means that this this memory wipe is is something that Elliot maybe is doing literally in the scene, but is also happening to Elliot metaphorically. Right. Sure. Yeah. Unless I think it's that, happening physically. Yeah. Well, <laughs> unless he's taking a drill to his head and putting yeah. his head in the microwave. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know how it would work. I don't know. That's what a K hole, me- Josh. Yeah. I don't know what the mechanics are of that. We don't want to go that. We only want to go down the robot hole. All right. So I want to I want to talk about Fernando Vera a little bit. It's his introductory episode here. He is obviously going to have two, you know, he's going to have one really big episode, but he's going to have a couple of big moments in episode five leading into episode six, which is the Fernando Vera of it all. And I think that, um, you know, episode six is really not that this show, as we've covered, isn't dark enough already, but I think that that's a real tone shift, Um, you know, uh, with Shayla in the trunk and everything that goes on there. It's really the first time that we are seeing 
violence go to such extreme lengths where people are getting killed on screen, um, where we are losing people, where Vera, you know, has his brother shot and Shayla's dead. Um, and I'm, I, I guess for me, like, I've never fully reconciled Vera's place in the series because he's not part of this long fight between F society and evil corp. He is not part of this um, psychological battle that Elliot is happening necessarily, unless as you mentioned last week, some people think that Vera could possibly be an Elliot personality. I think that that's ridiculous. Uh, I don't see that at all. But for me, can you start reconciling a little bit for me, knowing what we know about Vera moving forward, just now that he's on the show, what do you think his place on the show is ultimately, and how important do you think it is, if, only, if not necessarily in terms of story, then at least thematically, how critical is this character to you? Well, thematically in this episode, he really pops, because he represents the one and zero choice that Elliot is making that is absent from F society, that just has to do with an actual choice in his own life, the using of morphine uh, at the expense and, and harm of others, uh, versus the, you know, the, the getting rid of that from his life and taking Vera out of the game and doing that. So I think that he ties right into the choice architecture of this episode. And I think it's fascinating that the drug use is presented as a choice in that respect, because clearly it is addiction is a disease. And I think that you get into really tough positions when you're saying, well, Elliot could just choose to stop right. anytime he wants. It's not that easy. Yeah. However, Elliot is actively choosing in this particular way with this whole lie of the Suboxone specifically. He can get morphine from anywhere. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have the ability to get Suboxone from everywhere. He talks about other things he could do, create e-scripts, uh, shuffle from doctor to doctor. There are other options. By the way, if he went to an actual doctor and said, I'm on morphine, I want to get off of morphine, they're going to give him Suboxone. So he could just go to a real doctor and say, I need help with my drug addiction. Right. Uh, he is making active choices. Vera does represent clearly the consequences of the choices that are being made there. So I think thematically in this episode, that is, that is 100% clear. Later on, when Vera is uh, something that, that the jailbreak happens and Elliot is forced with deciding ultimately if he can try to get Shayla back to protect Vera, to get Vera out of jail, save him from being killed, free him, Elliot lets the whole jail lose, Josh. Right. So there are consequences from this choice as well. And so I think even in that episode, Vera represents choice and choosing to be selfish in this respect and protect Shayla at the expense of society. I think this is representative of selfish decisions that Elliot makes. Uh, and I think Vera kind of plays that out. Uh, you're making selfish decisions to help things that, that matter for your life at the expense of society. Uh, and in re reality, like the other choices Elliot's making are often selfish choices that, ex you know, that affect his life for the benefit of society. And so I think that there's a fascinating thing with Vera there as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm really interested to talk it through more, especially when we get to that episode, because there's aspects of that episode I've never been fully comfortable with, uh, both in terms of, you know, some of the content that's there, but also its place. Uh, and its purpose. And one of the things that's great about these podcasts for people who are listening is we're all getting to talk through a lot of this stuff and trying to understand Mr. Robot a little bit better. It's such a complicated show. There's so much going on and it requires a lot of drilling down because that surface is thick uh, and there's a big well or even a wellick of material <laughs> uh, to discuss once we get through. And for me as well, you know, not just for people who are listening to this, there's a lot that I need to work through as well. And I think especially in in episode six, a lot of the Fernando Vera of it all and a lot of the 
subject matter that goes on there. I'm gonna I'm gonna want to talk through with you, Antonio. So I'm well, it's totally. To I mean, it is totally. Uh, it's totally like out of bounds in some way because so much of the show is about these worldwide stakes, these very impersonal stakes to free quiet individuals that Elliot has no knowledge of from the invisible hand of debt. Uh, but these Shayla represents the very personal stakes for Elliot, and I think that once Shayla is killed, I think it represents that Elliot's sort of sweetness and innocence that that he has this ability or this person in his life who represents him being able to be different, having a girlfriend, being kind of quote unquote normal, uh, having somebody that he can you know love or whatever. Once that's taken off the table, he really goes off the rails uh, in terms of continuing and executing his plan. And I think that that I think giving some personal stakes to Elliot and Vera kind of playing that out and Elliot knowing that he's the reason Vera is who he is in terms of the impact on Elliot's life uh, is a very personal stakes thing in a show where the stakes are not always personal. All right, cool. All right, well, we'll talk about all that in a few weeks. Anything else from this episode? Yeah, just two quick wrap-up kind of points. In the conversation between Mr. Robot and Elliot uh, in the ones and zeros discussion, thought it was interesting that Mr. Robot calls Wellick a corporate robot. Yeah, (laughs) so is he a robot created by a corporation? (laughs) Maybe. Sent back in time. To protect John Connor. Oh my gosh! Or is he a Terminator? Yes. Is, is that is that is that something that's happening? Or yeah? Or is the Terminator? Is is he somehow more representative of Elliot? Maybe there are a lot of theories about Elliot and Wellick being very similar. People try to to spin on them by saying Wellick interacts with Gideon. That once we see Wellick in the room with Elliot, and Wellick goes outside and talks to Gideon and gets Angela removed from that first meeting in the in the premiere, that proves that Elliot and Wellick aren't the same person. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, I we can track that, but. If you want to look at it on a different level, um, there's a possibility that if you want to call Wellick a corporate robot, that, Elliot, that Wellick is somehow related to this Mr. Robot of it all. The other thing I would say is uh, that Elliot says Tyrell Wellick knows in that meeting with Mr. Robot. And the truth of the matter is, no, he doesn't. Right. Elliot did not see Wellick see him switch the file. When Wellick meets with Elliot to offer him the job, he doesn't say, I know. So why is, I mean, Elliot's paranoid, he's delusional, so of course he's going to say that to Mr. Robot, but unless I miss something, Josh, I don't think he has any reason to say that. Well, I think that the reason he has to say that is like, why else did he call me in? You know, why did he call me in to offer me a job? Like, he knows the full extent of what I've done here. Yes, or the other reason he would have to say it is if there is something greater between Elliot and Wellick that's already happened that we just are not seeing. But would the Elliot Elliot, would pure Elliot, would he know that yet? It's a good question. And yeah, I mean, it's possible that he wouldn't. This is the other thing I want to highlight, is that Elliot in this particular show is Mr. Robot. We can agree on that, right? Yes, yes. So who made the video that uh, Elliot and Gideon watch? Is that Elliot under the mask? Right, I would guess so. I mean, I, I would guess so. And once again, you know, we are seeing things, and this is actually interesting. You know, we're seeing things from Elliot's perspective so often that things are skewed to his vision, you know, E-Corp, so being he heard the Evil Christian Corp. Slater, so yeah. He, yeah, so he sees Christian Slater, he hears Christian Slater. What does Gideon hear? Uh, what is, right. what does Gideon see? And we know that Gideon is going to start becoming suspicious of Elliot. It's like, oh wait, yo, that sounded like, Elliot. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, so that, I mean, that's, that's what I mean. Like if that's Elliot under the mask, then what's happening is 
Not only because I think the way we're treating this, Angela is saying that you've been messed up for the last month. Right. These are old patterns. Uh, Elliot has forgotten Angela before or uh, Darlene before. We know that from later in the series. She said, did you forget again? And we know that this happened before. The question is, though, I assume and you can, you know, the way I've watched the show in the past is that once the series picks up, Elliot is not losing time or forgetting, you know, forgetting things that are happening throughout the course of the series that he forgot things that happened before the series. He forgot that he was in charge of F society. He forgot all these things, but he's not forgetting them now. He's just kind of seeing them differently. But this is clearly showing that after Colby went down a, a more than a month has passed since Elliot has interacted with all these people. Right. And the video comes out. Elliot made that video. Yeah. That's Elliot. Yeah. That's Elliot. So he's forgotten things that are happening even in the moment. And I think once you establish that, that he's forgetting things that are even happening in the present time, not that happened before the events of the show, but that are happening during the events of the show that we're not seeing on screen, him making this video, then anything's possible, especially with Elliot and Wellick, that there could be on the same page. We have the meeting between Wellick and Mr. Robot later in the series where, where Wellick says, like, you forget I know your secret. Uh, what the secret is, I don't know. Uh, we can talk about that later. But the fact of the matter is I think we're establishing early on that Elliot's not even remembering or we're not seeing all the things that are happening in the context of this series. And so that opens the door for anything. Yeah, it really does. And I mean, there's definitely moments like that with Elliot later on where you have him as Mr. Robot talking to Tyrell or talking to Romero. And these are all things that are happening concurrently with the Elliot stories we're seeing. But it's always good to be reminded of a lot of this stuff that is happening when Elliot is not present. And it's like when when Mr. Robot is alone. Right. uh, That's a very scary prospect of like when when that kind of thing is happening, when there are no other witnesses uh, to the Mr. Robot of it all, when it and, and Elliot being one of those witnesses, when he is completely gone and you assume that this video is pure Mr. Robot. Well, and he's uh, forgotten. He's just forgotten it. I right. mean, he's totally forgotten it. Like we see the scene between Mr. Robot and Romero at the marijuana kind of place later, but we don't see Elliot being like, I don't remember that ever happening. We right. don't know that he doesn't remember that happening and, and thinking that he wasn't there. Right. Um, but in this particular thing, the video is a shock to him. Right. He's surprised. Yeah. He, and Gideon's like, you didn't know? Like, oh, finally I know something you don't. Uh-huh. So he's forgetting stuff that happened like the day before. Yeah. This yeah. is no good. It's not great. It's a, it's a bad look for Elliot as so many of the looks are. On this so show. he's probably forgetting a lot of interactions that he had with Wellick that we're not seeing. And maybe that's coming out with his paranoia. He knows or something's going on. But I don't know. This is fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. All right. Anything else or should we start wrapping up? That's, I think that's really everything. I mean, it's just, it's really great to watch the show knowing what you know about the series. It's fun. Sure. It's really, really fun. Uh, loving doing this podcast. This is a really great idea. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as Antonio and I are. I have noticed from a bunch of people who started listening, uh, they'd be like, yeah, I thought that I would just be able to do the weekly thing. Napa binged it. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think Mr. Robot will do that to you. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we are going to keep doing the spoiler-free stuff for the new people who are going to come along the way. Hopefully a bunch of you guys are going to be hopping in and you will get into the spoiler-filled section as well. If you not already there from the jump hashtag if you got through the spoiler filled section i have romero and juliet 
<laughs> That's pretty good. I had the uh, what did I what I something about uh, Sister Christian Slater. Sister Christian Slater. Give us either one of those. We'll be happy. Uh, tweet that to Antonio at AC Mazzaro. I'm at Round Howard. We'll be back next week with episode three of season one of Mr. Robot, keeping Robot Road alive. Antonio, goodbye, friend. Goodbye, friend. And, and we should at some point talk about the marketing for Mr. Robot season two. Yes, I'm sure that we will get into that because it's uh different things are coming out every day crazy stuff is happening josh any updates that you want to give right now well they've just released a website promoting mr robot that's very f society based who is mr robot i would i don't want to spoil anything so just even in the spoiler section so go to it participate in it do whatever you'd like uh if you share your social media information with that site a white hat hacker revealed today that it has security vulnerabilities and that it has bugs in the website so whether that was intentional or not i don't even know it's hilarious a little alarming hilarious <laughs> just hilarious so. all right so go poke around on the mr robot website and maybe we can talk about that next week yep take care everybody goodbye friends 